0: Let's pray here before we, uh, before we get into this. God, you are uh, so, uh, so generous. You give us uh, the blessings of today, but even more, you have, uh, you've given us the blessing of righteousness through the gift of Christ. As, we, uh, as, as many of us have, have, have received that gift through faith, I pray that you, would, uh, that you would convict those who have not understood it so clearly, that your spirit would, uh, would clarify that salvation is through Christ alone. But also for, uh, for those who have received this gift through faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that you would challenge us that you would feed us, that you would uh, comfort us, that you would give all of us an, an enlightenment that comes only from your Spirit, that as we, as we hear your Word and we imagine uh, the picture that you are painting here, that it, that it foundationally changes the structure through which we understand our reality. We thank you so much for wisdom literature such as this and its intended effect of, of shaping our minds and our hearts so that we have a a gospel methodology to approaching our days. We thank you for today, amen. So uh, um, ever since moving to Iowa City uh, back in uh, 2015, um, one of my favorite features in this area has been the uh, the uh Reservoir and especially the dam. Uh, now I really like cycling, uh, and oftentimes I'll, I'll I'll ride my bike across the dam and that is uh, that is invigorating uh, oftentimes though when I am riding I like to ride with people though not right now um, uh, and and usually I, I don't get a like bask in the glory that is riding your bike across the dam in the morning because it's, uh, it's it's wonderful because I'm usually like trying to keep up with uh, my, my riding buddies uh, Reuben or uh, or Andy or even Pastor Thomas they're they're beasts. They're real good at that. So when I'm by myself and I can go really slow, I look around and I, and I take it in. And uh, and that dam is just so, um, I don't know, huge. It's wonderful. It's it's breathtaking, especially when I'm just out there, me and, and, and in the wind. And it's it's a Really captivated my imagination, and I really want to take that idea of the, the dam, just everything that's there. Kind of paint a picture in your mind of, of what I see. Oftentimes, I um, I uh, I look at that, and 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 I'm looking out at the at the reservoir. I'm looking out at the at the spillway. I'm looking out at the uh, at the um the river that that flows from there, and I just find myself in a picture uh, that that I hear the psalms. Speaking of so often, so I don't know if you have uh, children, you can encourage them to uh, color and draw a picture of uh, of the dam and the and the spillway and the uh, and the reservoir. Uh, but I would also encourage you, if you want to draw a picture as well, go for it, um, or at least imagine this as well. Here are the features that you're going to need of this picture, because this is where I'm going to hang uh, Psalm 112 today. Is in this picture um, of this, this this blessed dam of stewardship that that God gives us. Uh, so you have over here, you have the uh, the reservoir. So you can draw you know, body of water, however you want to do it. So do whatever you want. Cheers. It's creative. Put some elephants in there. Do whatever you want. Um, uh, and so you have the, you have the, uh, the reservoir, uh, and then you're going to draw, you know, kind of a line or however you would um, to draw the, the dam itself. I'll put a little circle at some point down there to make sure i think it's called like the the sluice way or something i don't know i'm not an engineer but i think that's what it's called where it all comes out the water comes out there and then there's a river so those are your four pieces you got the, the reservoir you've got the dam you've got the way of the sluice way i'm calling it uh and the uh, and the river there so that's your picture we're going to kind of put our focus the camera of our focus just on those different spots as we understand the way of the righteous um, in those ways, as Psalm 112 will give us today. And so, what I want to encourage, though, is with all this language of, uh, of, of blessing, of righteousness. Um, here, that is in Psalm 112. I, I have to acknowledge that this is a wisdom psalm. It is a, a Psalms is a book of wisdom, but especially the genre of this psalm here, Psalm 112. It comes on the heels of Psalm 111. I'd encourage you to read Psalm 11 this week and then go into Psalm 12. They kind of couple very well. Um, but, but a big idea in, in wisdom literature is this idea of, of which way am I going to go? What is the wise path forward? Do we go the way of the righteous? Do we go the way of the wicked? Um, and what we're going to find is when when we go the way of the righteous, uh, there's this condition that we land ourselves in called blessedness. Uh, the blessed man is what starts this psalm. Well, actually, what starts the psalm is praise the Lord, which is literally hallelujah. Uh, so praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. This is one of the biggest theme, if not the biggest theme, of all the psalms. This is the first word of the entire book of psalms. Psalm 1-1 starts with blessed. This is a major theme, and so we want to understand what does this mean to be blessed? And so I want to take this word and focus on how we understand blessing in the the receiving and the giving of our blessings. And so I want to do that by urging you to uh, build a legacy of righteousness through stewardship of today. I know that sounds strange. Build a legacy of righteousness through stewardship of today. Today, There's a whole lot of language in Psalm 112 that talks about this foreverness. Uh, verse 3, the righteousness, uh, his righteousness endures forever. Uh, we, we, we get uh, elsewhere, uh, we see that he will not be moved, but he will be remembered forever. We get down to verse 9, uh, his righteousness endures Forever. If you're like me, a lot of times I'm thinking, what will my legacy be? What will my uh, career path uh, be and where will it go? Uh, What will my next plan be? What is going to even happen this fall? And we're thinking oftentimes of the future way more than we are thinking of today. And it seems as though Psalm 112 specifically highlights one of the themes in all of the Psalms, in all of the Bible, is that forever, that's on God. You're given today, and so your task today is to steward today. And I know in a time of uncertainty, uh, this lesson is one that we are learning, is one that we are kicking against, it is one that maybe we're embracing. I know for me, I've had a huge identity crisis of just, uh, I thought I was the master of my fate, and, uh, and it seems as though every month is uncertain, even more so uncertain as every week, and even, even more so uncertain as every day, and there's a point at which we just have to admit reality and say, God, you have given me something today. That is my task, and I'm a steward at well. Leaving forever in your hands. And so that's my hope, is that we get to that spot. I'm not sure I'm all the way there yet, but I think that spot is a spot of blessedness. So uh, here's our outline for today. Uh, so as we build a legacy of righteousness through stewardship of today, I'm going to look at, at three different um, Three different um, uh, items here. Uh, The first one is the blessed man. So, the blessed man. And we'll find that the blessed man is a man who, who rightly understands, point two, the righteous one. That is Jesus Christ. The blessed man, point one, understands Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And with that understanding of the righteous one, he can then and only then live, point three, the upright life. So, those are our three points. The blessed man. The righteous one and the upright life. So let's look at the blessed man here. Uh, uh, Verse 1 is where I'll go. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You see, we use this word blessing uh, a lot in a lot of different ways. And and so I want to ask the question who is the blessed man? see, I think one way that is is predominantly used within Christianity, um, this word blessing, is with an eye on the amount of, go back to our picture, uh, uh, the amount or kind of water in the reservoir. I mean, we talk about the water in the reservoir when we talk about uh, blessings. What does that mean? Uh, We say it uh, this way. We say something like, uh, I have so many blessings. You know, filling up the reservoir. Uh, God has blessed me this year, or God has blessed me with this family, or God has blessed me with this career. Uh, those are ways we talk about blessing. When we say blessing, we're talking about the stuff that is filling up the abundance of God's blessings to us, the gifts that God gives us. And that is true, partially. But the idea of blessing is so much more robust than that. You see, again, while partially true, I want to help us maybe shift focus of blessing today, as wisdom literature is doing, a little bit more toward what happens in and through the dam. That, that, that rather than thinking of blessing only as stuff, we think of, of, of blessing or that, 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 that way of blessedness as more of a mental state, a good heart condition, an every-moment disposition, a way of being, a good character. See, a blessed man is one who comes under the authority of God's revelation. That is the way of being blessed. To recognize the reality that there is a God, he is real, he is holy, he will not stand in the council of sinners. And I am that. And to see that kind of authority of God's revelation, and that, uh, and, and that a blessed man is one who truly lives in light of that reality. And so then we go through uh, we go through uh, Psalm 112 this way, with that idea of a blessed man being the one who lives in light of the reality of God's holiness. And so let's just uh, fly over here, give you maybe one minute, two minutes here of a flyover of, of our text, and then we're going to land it in, in, uh, in this idea of Jesus Christ, the righteous one, because we need that to understand the entire psalm. So uh, verses 3 through 6 give us this idea of the outcome of the upright the outcome of the upright. So we start with the end first here in Psalm 112. The outcome is that uh, greater than an easy retirement, he will have a forever legacy. He will be remembered forever. His righteousness will endure forever. But even now, we see that there's some blessing there for him. Uh, verse 3, his wealth and riches are in his house today, even when money is not. Hmm. And so we go on to this idea, this uh, uh, the outcome of the upright, but then as we move toward verses 7 and 8, we see that he doesn't cave under the weight of such blessing. You see, no amount of earthly blessing, be it money or status or ability, affects his character. You see, it doesn't matter if there's a lot of blessing in his life or not much in his life. His character is still that of a blessed man. His character is still right with God and maybe the waters rise and it tests the integrity of that character will he cave will he not but his character remains the same and so we see the outcome of the upright we see the character of the upright but then we also get the activity of the righteous verse 9 reads he has distributed freely he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever You see, this is the activity of the righteous. But we have to be cautious when we read the Psalms because we are not always the hero of every Psalm. In fact, oftentimes, Psalm 51, we're actually the bad guy. (laughs) We We need to learn from the wisdom of the Psalms and wisdom doesn't come exclusively through endless, only encouragement. It comes through instruction. And so before I go reading verse 9 here, that my distribution, my free distribution, my giving to the poor is evidence of my righteousness, That, that that builds up my righteousness, that that fills my reservoir, that my activity is my righteousness, before I go there, I need to submit myself to one who is truly righteous. That our activity as righteous people as God's people, as Christians, is only righteous when it is an an imitation or a reflection of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So we're on to point two, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. How do we know that Jesus is righteous? Well, because Jesus gives us his righteousness. You see, interestingly enough, verse 9 here in Psalm uh, Psalm 112 is also verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 9. The Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write to the Corinthian church, speaking of generosity, speaking of giving, speaking of of earthly wealth and riches. And he speaks to them and he quotes Psalm 112, 9 exactly. He says, He has distributed freely, but he is not you, the Christian, who believes in God. It's God himself, Jesus Christ, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. And Jesus has given his righteousness. And he's given it because we are poor and without it. You see, we're not the rich, but the poor. We're not the generous, but the needy. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. That's reality. And, and, it's, and I'm pushing so hard because our reality is, is oftentimes clouded by a dream that we call the American dream. But the reality, though, is on the lips of Jesus when he quotes himself as fulfilling the prophet Isaiah who says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. The poor need something. They are lacking something. And Jesus says, I am bringing this to the poor. What is he bringing? We're not lacking money. We're not lacking stuff. He says, you're lacking good news. You have a whole lot of bad news. You have a whole lot of news. You need good news. The reservoir of righteousness is tainted water. If it's our own doing. Because we like to feed off of the drainage ditches. But when we see Jesus as the source of righteousness, he died on a cross, took our wickedness upon him, paid for it, and then gave us his righteousness, put his righteousness on us as though it was our own. He purifies that reservoir. He shows us that we can be righteous in God's sight only through faith in Jesus. He gives us his righteousness, his righteousness, because we are poor and without it. And we receive it each day through faith. And Psalm 12 helps us to explain that faith has two faces, has two aspects to faith. In verse, uh, in verse 1, we see that faith is reverent fear in line with the reality of a holy and just God. The, the, the blessed man Fears the Lord. He's not scared of him. He's not terrified of him. Maybe that's something there. But it's this reverent fear that says, your holiness is too hot. I'm not sure I can get close to that fire. And that's one side of our fear. And the Holy Spirit does that. And I pray now, and I'll pray after the sermon that the Holy Spirit convict you of the holiness of God and of the unholiness or the wickedness of your sin. It is one of the best places we can be in reality. But faith is not simply fear. It's not fire insurance. Faith is also, verse 7, trust in God. He is firm, trusting in God that he will keep his promises to forgive, 1 John 1, 9. That he will keep his promises to forgive, and also he will keep his promise to bless all the families of the earth, Genesis 12, through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus gives righteousness to us who are poor through faith in him. And then we move to the upright life, we share it by applying his example. To our daily lives, you see, in First or in Second Corinthians nine, Paul quotes this generous distribution to the poor. But right before that, he says, right before that, the verse uh, before what I've quoted here, it is actually Second uh, Corinthians nine eight. It says this: "And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound." In every good work. He's filled you up all sufficiency and all things at all times. Your reservoir is full, is full, so that you may abound in every good work. First Peter four ten, as each of as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we get to the upright life. And I want to use the language of stewardship here. With Christ as the point and the pattern of Psalm 112, we'll now uh, go back up Psalm 112, looking at the activity, at the character, and the outcome of the upright life. So if you're you're really into outlines here, this is probably like the thing to take home here, um, is Christ's activity through us Christ's character in us and Christ's outcome for us. I'll say those uh, a few more times. So we'll look at Christ's activity through us as part of the upright life. And this, is, this activity is the stewardship. So let's go back to this, uh, this reservoir analogy. So we've, we've talked about the blessings a whole lot right now. Uh, righteousness is there, but then there are also spiritual, uh, there are spiritual blessings of righteousness, but then there are physical blessings, things we have today filling up this reservoir. But remember, we drew a picture with four parts. Stewardship is the exchange of that blessing. Stewardship happens as the blessing flows through us out into the world. Charles Spurgeon speaks of it this way. He says, The righteous man was God's reservoir, and from his abundance flowed streams of liberality to supply the needy. If this be one of the marks of the man who fears the Lord, then there are some who are strangely in need of it. They're great at gathering but very slow at dispersing. They enjoy the blessedness of receiving, but seldomly taste the greater joy of giving. Now, I want to talk about stewardship a little bit more. Because I think that sometimes we just, we, we, we really like to have uh, things uh, in the black and white to, to de- detrimental uh, degrees. And so I'm going to just, put forward one of those horrible uh, uh, spectrums that we, we have oftentimes, um, hopefully not advancing it, but correcting it, I think that oftentimes we, we think of something like truth and love can't, can't coexist, or, um, or, uh, or here's one, justice. Uh, justice is this like dark, vindictive truth uh, dump uh, on you, and we're just there, and it's no fun, and only really callous people do that, mean, rude people do that. And that's justice. Uh, and, then we, and then we have this other side, this generosity, which is like fun. And, it is, uh, and it, is, uh, it is from the heart, all from the heart, so much from the heart that we could say, it's even so far that the guys on the justice side would say, it's irrational. And there's our generosity, and there's our justice. And then comes along stewardship, the Enneagram 9, and says, come on, guys, let's get together. Let's, uh, let's, let's hug it out. And says, your justice can't actually be just if, if you don't do it in a loving way. If justice is done the right way, it actually helps someone more than not helping them and not doing anything. But also, your generosity doesn't make a lot of sense if you're just this endless flood of giving all the time in any direction to anyone asked. It's going to destroy you and it's not going to advance the gospel. But if you tighten it up and understand, what your giving is, what your generosity is, if you bring some truth into that, if you find the best ways to advance the kingdom through your giving, all of a sudden, your justice builds the kingdom, your generosity builds the kingdom. We have this thing called stewardship, which is the gospel methodology of moving the reservoir down to the river. And so let's focus on this idea of the dam. And that dam has to be strong. It has to be firm. It has to be grounded in Christ. I'm not making that up here. That's what we read. It's the character, the heart level of the Christian has to be that of Christ. Verse 7, his heart is firm. How is it firm? Trusting in the Lord. It is not firm in his own power, in his own privilege, in his own paycheck. I'm not generous because I made a bunch of money. I'm generous because I trust in the Lord. I'm not generous because as soon as I get a whole bunch more learning and I get done with this degree, then I'll contribute to society. I'm generous with my ideas and my presence with my home, with my hospitality. I'm generous because I trust in the Lord, because he is those things. And his dam is firm that way. Our hearts, our Christian hearts are, are firm that way. His heart is steady, verse 8. And why is his heart steady? Because he will not be afraid. He will not fear all those other things in life. He won't fear pandemic. He won't fear financial collapse. He won't fear recession. He won't fear uh, a, a dissolving of relationships. He won't fear whatever the next chapter is because verse 1, we already know this. This was the first thing we said, because he has rightly directed his fear to the Lord who is sovereign Who is the one who fills the righteousness? Who is the one who designs our hearts? Who is the one who calls us to the world that he has designed? He has put us in this this whole working of blessing. And so we can reverently fear him. This is pretty good. Let's keep going. What else uh, is done? What else does the righteous man do? What do we hear? What do we see as we explore the heart of the righteous one? In his character, we read verse 4, he is gracious and merciful. Merciful literally means full of compassion. He feels the feelings of the other. He tenderly feels for others, pities them, and as far as he can, assists them in their time of trouble. He does not need to be driven to benevolence because he is, as Spurgeon says, he is brimful of humanity. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds really good. Here at, uh, here at here at Parkview, we have a thing called the benevolence fund, and I just want to like thank those who have helped with it: Kenny, Marianne, uh, the benevolence committee, um, the deacons. They've like they've worked so hard over the past past few months putting this thing together, and it is awesome. Uh, what they've done is they've taken the, the benevolence um, the benevolence fund and the processes there, and they've updated them, lots of thought and, and conversation, to a multi-site structure because. People come to each campus, and we have to have one way of doing this. It's been a great, great abstract process that they've put it into a concrete uh, policy, and it is, it is so helpful. And so this is, this is so good. And so thank you for that. Thank them for that. Um, but the, what I have here in, in, in Psalm 112 is, is, is pushed me to wonder if a benevolence fund is good, but it's simply a mechanism kind of like that that gate at the bottom of the dam it's just a mechanism that gate won't open itself it needs the character of benevolent people to open it so it's wonderful that we've got an excellent tool in our belt for being gospel ministers throughout our community but my prayer for part is that well, it is one of, of, of gratitude, of thanking God for this wonderful benevolence fund, but I really am going to be praying that God make Parkview a benevolent people. Because that's the gospel in action. I mean, even to the level of, even though this thing's good, to the level of, I would pray that people, that a reputation of Parkview would be one that, that, that when word gets out, that recommendations don't come, you know, word on the street of, hey, benevolence has a great par- uh, benevolence fund so you should go apply for it. But rather they say, Parkview has benevolent people. You should go join them. Mm. My prayer is that the hearts of, of Parkview people become so benevolent, so filled with the stewardship that we get and this generosity <laughs> that there aren't any requests of the Benevolence Fund this year. It's excellent, and I hope no one asks because we're taking that to people. We are doing that ourselves. Through good, Christ-filled, Christ-honoring relationships attentive to the needs of our neighbors. So we see Christ activity through us, Christ character in us, and then as we move all the way up to verses one through six, Christ outcome for us. For the righteous will never be moved Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. So let's go back to our picture. At this point in our conversation, it seems that while Psalm 112 speaks a lot about the wealth and the riches of the righteous, blessing or blessedness should be thought of less as a gift to be received and more as a state or heart condition of the one standing between the blessing And the need. And it seems that standing between the blessing and the need would pretty similarly imitate Jesus himself. And in fact, if blessedness is the character of those actively stewarding the blessing, that is, in in, in the receiving and the giving, it seems that the opportunity to enter in and be formed by this exchange of blessing is a blessing in itself. That maybe our biggest blessing is not that God gives us money, God gives us a home, God gives us education, God gives us a great church, that God gives us those things. Maybe the blessing is actually in today the gift of transferring those. It's not in the acquiring of blessing, but in the movement of that blessing. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And perhaps this is because disciples with Christ-like integrity are formed not in the accumulation of blessing, but in the movement of it. So, build a legacy of righteousness through stewardship of today. Here's where we land the plane. Here's where rubber hits the road. Three points of application here trust in Jesus, audit your life, and steward your blessings. So, trust in Jesus. None of this makes sense if we've got a self righteous, nasty reservoir of water over here. We've got to purify it, we've got to get it clean. And we can only do that through fear in God, through coming to God with our sin and saying, I am not holy, forgive me. And we can only do that by trusting that his forgiveness cleanses us, that Jesus paid it all and gives us his righteousness. And so trust in Jesus. But I really want to hit this one. Uh, Audit your life. Okay, we've got some time. I mean, we're starting to get less time as we start to think about how we go back into socializing uh, with one another. But, But we do have a little bit of time. I really encourage you to audit your life. Count your blessings. So focus on this. Count what you have. Count maybe even what are your basins for holding those blessings. Here's where the wisdom psalms and the wisdom literature shape our thinking. Maybe think of your calendar not as your itinerary of what you're going to do, but maybe as a calendar or as a, as a basin of the time that God has given you. How will you steward it? Think of your bank account, your investments as basins of your financial wealth. Think of your house, your apartment as basins of relationships. They hold those relationships. Maybe think of each year of your life as a basin of experience or experiences. Maybe think about your city as a basin of souls needing Christ. What do we have? What do you have there? As these blessings pass through the gate of your heart as you steward well, imitating christ jesus faithfully steward your blessings for the cause of christ steward your how do you do that you take the time you have through and and you turn it into meaningful presence you take your experiences and and you steward them well through mentoring those who don't have those experiences or are going through those experiences you take the good news that you have received, and this one should be pretty easy, but we always forget, and then you, you, you cover everything that you do with this good news so that you are giving it to the spiritually poor by witnessing, by saying what you actually experienced in your poverty, now coming to the riches of the good news. And leverage all of it for the great commission i mean this is our big command the great commission to make disciples of all nations and so uh so as your schedule fills up okay that's we always talk about them passively very actively rather as you make decisions to put things on your calendar is what actually happens as you make those decisions going forward maybe put into place a prioritization For deciding what gets on the calendar. Before you drop anything on there, take the few moments where your calendar might be clean and figure out what's priority there. I'll give a couple of hints for the sake of time your family, your church, and your neighbors. People are the priorities. You can't make disciples without people. One way I do this, I don't do this awesome uh, or or very well uh, sometimes. Uh, and, and, and I need to be reminded. But I have found in seasons where I do this well, I put people in the calendar way before. My scheduling of people goes before all of the rocks and pebbles of busyness follow. Schedule, your, schedule meetings with people. Meaningful meetings. Dinners with people. Uh, when we can get back to this. Get this methodology there. Uh, your presence with people needs to be one, two, three weeks out from where your schedule is. That is itself Is stewarding the gospel so that people are the conflict to your work to your assignments to the overtime to the to to the entertainment to whatever it might be so that people are there but then also maybe another one uh, that we we might all be thinking about is is calendar but we also might be thinking about what are our finances I'm gonna go specifically with this one with creativity take it or leave it what do we do with this stimulus check (laughs) my wife and I were talking about it this weekend So we're given this check to stimulate the economy, but what, rather than maybe doing the things that, that, that Stacey and I would normally do, buying food, clothing, gas, um, services, whatever it would be, um, what if we stimulated the economy by proxy? What if through the relationships we have of people that we know are in need and are growing, need to be growing in Christ, we redirect the money from that, that wasn't ours in the first place, we redirect it through them. Find a, find a single parent. Uh, find a, a, a new believer. Walk alongside them and explain to them why this isn't your money, why money isn't the point, how they don't need to fear, and talk through them through this process because they're going to go buy the same food and clothing and gas and services that you were going to do. The, the economy will be stimulated. But what if you leveraged it to make disciples of all nations? This is one way in which we can steward the things that we have. The blessings in the blessed man flow through as a blessing to all nations. So as we look at the blessed man, we have to start with the righteous one, Jesus Christ. And only when we have Jesus as the point and pattern of every day's decisions and life, when we have a gospel methodology, will we then be able to live an upright life. Let's pray now. God, we thank you for your word. It is living and active. Living and active, not in that it is inspirational and moves our hearts in this moment, but that it, it rends our hearts to reality. It bends our minds back into a straightness, and uprightness before you. pray that your spirit would now come after your words have been spoken and hit us with conviction and wrap us in comfort and guide us to your glory. We thank you for these words. They are challenging. but They are so life-giving. Pray you would give us discipline to take up the task of stewardship in this blessed life. We love you. Amen.